Welcome to the Bigfoot Society Podcast. Join me, your host, Jeremiah Byron, as I uncover the stories behind the people who make the wonderfully weird and unexplained their life's work. We love chatting about cryptids and creatures that defy logic, but that won't stop us from having people show up that you might not expect. Check out our website, www.bigfootsocietypodcast.com. It's our base for all things social media, blogs, episodes, and everything else Bigfoot Society. Follow Bigfoot Society on Instagram to keep up to date with the community daily. If you'd like to support us and help us keep the lights on for the cost of less than a cup of coffee per month, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society, where for $5 a month, you'll get early access to the podcast before anyone else and exclusive access to our weekly Patreon-only Bigfoot Society After Dark podcast. It's where the week's guest stays on after everyone else leaves and shares their favorite creepy or cryptid story with me and you, the listener, as we're sitting around the campfire at our creepy cryptid summer camp. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society to also see all the shout out, Zoom hangout, merch discounts, and more that you'll have access to as an official Bigfoot Society card carrying member for only $5 a month. A little bit of This American Life and a little bit of In Search Of is what you're about to experience. So sit back, put your headphones on, put your phone in your pocket, and relax with your favorite beverage as I uncover the stories behind your favorite entertainers, researchers, and people you've never heard of in this episode of the Bigfoot Society Podcast. Get ready for this episode, listeners. It's with Seth Breedlove, and we talk about all sorts of stuff almost for two hours. And that's not counting Bigfoot Society After Dark. We go all all over everything that you could think of. All the different movies, the upcoming movies, the movies in progress with Small Town Monsters. And we talk about folklore and we talk about all sorts of stuff and you are going to love it. One of my favorite interviews. So let's get ready to get into it right now. All right. Thanks for coming back to the Bigfoot Society podcast. I have the privilege of having Mr. Seth Breedlove with me on the podcast tonight. And uh, of course, if you don't know Seth, uh, he is an amazing filmmaker with the production company Small Town Monsters. I uh, have a lot of really cool films under their uh, belt and uh, just all around good guy. Uh, Seth, would you mind going ahead and introducing yourself? Yeah, I'm Seth. That's me. And I'm I'm sitting here in my, my family room with my schnauzer every time <laughs> I, I talk to you i have to i feel like i have to mention the fact that you have contributed to to an stm film um, that's true it's it's like uh um jeremiah is like has skin in the game or like when you say that hey i own stock in this company which yeah. i don't but it's true yeah go ahead go ahead yeah you worked on um on on the interviews in Terror in the Sky, um, I did Chad, Chad and Kevin, Chad, Chad Lewis and Kevin Nelson. Which the the thing that still drives me crazy. There's a lot of things that bug me about Terror in the Skies, but one of the things that bugs <laughs> me about Terror in the Skies is that those two interviews look better than all of my interviews in the movie. And so, oh really? So like Andrew just comes in and like, yeah, I remember he started sending me stills. I was at the Mothman Festival, and you guys were at the van meter festival right am i wrong i feel like we were at the moth so here's the thing and 
So I'm sorry, listeners, because I get feedback on this where I talk about the Van Meter Visitor Festival every episode, but you just heard that Seth brought it up. So let's go for it. It's go time. So you are correct. Um, It was a really cool day. Like Andrew, uh, so my buddy, Andrew Peterson, um, he's, uh, he's was doing the, you know, interviews for Terror in the Skies. And so we just happened to have some of the guys that were also at the Van Meter Visitor Festival that year. And it was really cool. Um, He... I thought I was just going to be there kind of like uh, watching the interviews. And at the last minute, he's like, hey, uh, why don't you kind of, why don't you do this? And so a lot of that was like just me jumping into it. And I think in a way that kind of, uh, you know, kind of gave me the taste for for going into this. So it's kind of cool. It was a great what experience. Did you, what, what did you do? You were like, um, <clears throat> you were... I have no idea what you did. Um, <laughs> so well, like, I was because <laughs> because it's indie film. So he, <laughs> it's indie film. So like he gives me a, a a credit to give you, but I don't know. Oh my I, gosh. Aren't, you, aren't you credited as like first AC or first so like first? Yeah, something yes. like assistant director. Or no, no, no. Yeah, I'm the head of STM now, Seth. Yeah. So what I uh, what I was doing was. Um, I was asking them the questions and um, <clears throat> then they would answer, but then my part wouldn't be on video or audio okay. type deal. So I'm, I'm sorry. You're good. <laughs> that's, that's a shame. Um, so yeah. So, so Andrew, oh I just remember that when he started sending me stills, I yeah. was like, we had done interviews the same day he had done interviews. And I'm like, well, my interviews look like garbage. compared to <laughs> And, um, and he just like yeah, because he's got he's got a much better eye um, than I do. And also like I think he, knowing Andrew, he probably went into it like grossly over prepared. And I go into everything like fantastically, ho- horrifically so. un- under prepared for every single thing. So like we come in with like oh we got like one LED light, we can try to light this thing. We have no extension cord, so we're shooting everything with like a battery. I mean, it was just, I just remember that, that his interviews looked way better than mine. Dude, it was, it was a legit setup. Like my buddy, Andrew's a cool dude. He's, he's awesome, man. I, I, I used to work with him at Apple. He's, he's a good guy. So that's the connection there. What? Um, so, uh, do you mind if we get into, uh, some questions? No, I'm, if occasionally I forget to mute my mic and you're hearing like ice, in my plastic uh, Akron Zoo cup. I'm sorry. Oh, so. hey, that's just part of the ambiance. So yeah, I love it. Um, so of course, so let's see. Uh, Small Town Monsters has been around for a few years, correct? I want to say uh, 2013. Is right? uh, 2013 is actually like when I put the concept together for okay. the book. Um, 2015 marks the year that we put out Minerva, but we actually okay. started shooting in 2014. Gotcha. So it's, it's, um, cool, this cool. is our official like five year anniversary year right. for STM. Hence the, uh, the amazing five year book that's coming out, which is now one of my life's ultra regrets that I wasn't a Kickstarter backer, um, for the last one. Man, because, I'm so, st- I'm so oh, stoked man. to get these out. Cause like I think we're shipping, we should be shipping, uh, I, th- I'm going to say like tentatively next week, sometimes stuff's oh, going to wow. start shipping. That's um, amazing. and I guess that's even possible this week, but we're just waiting. 
the uh, Mothman Legacy DVDs and Blu-rays are, are coming any day. It should be like today or tomorrow. Wow. It should be here. So once that stuff hits, um, we're shipping all that stuff out. But the book, yeah, the book's in, insane. Like, I guess I'm not in the book hardly at all. Like, mm-hmm. I, I contributed the intro. Um, my wife designed it uh, mm-hmm. with, no pr- with no prior, like, book design experience. And um, it's a coffee table sized book. So it's like 11 by I'm looking at it now. I don't know. It's, it's probably like it's, I know it's 11 inches long and then maybe like nine inches tall. It's pretty big. Um, I, it's like next to all, it sits on the bookshelf with all my making of books and it's like comparable in size to those. So it's a big book. So she had to put all that together and that includes like a ton of BTS, um, photos and then sketches and stuff like that but then the whole thing was written by mark matsky and Mm. then uh, as far as the historical uh context goes and then um there's three interviews that are very lengthy one with adrian one with brandon and one with jason okay um and that's kind of like the the book's comprised of that but it's 200 pages i mean it's a good size freaking book like and it's um it's really cool. I'm super stoked. I'm stoked now to figure out what we're going to do going forward. Cause now we know how to make a book. Mm. Um, and I feel like we need to make more books. So I was actually just like contemplating what, what the next book should be. I'm still trying to figure that out. So, uh, and so people listening, if you really are digging this part, then you should listen to the latest episode of Monsteropolis because uh, Seth and Mark just talk for quite a while about uh, the book itself, which is amazing. But you guys uh, also said a thing where it's like, you know, we're kind of a book production company. We should go into this. And the ideas you had about like releasing the scripts with the script in the, the notes was actually like, that was a fantastic idea. Like, I think that is really cool. You know what I'm thinking? I was... I'm just spitballing here, but like I was thinking, I was just thinking at the end of each year, we should do making ofs for the two films that came out the previous year. Mm. So this Kickstarter coming up would be a making of book that's split into two parts, the making of the Mothman legacy and the making of the Mark of the Mm -hmm. Bell Witch. And, and each part would include the scripts. The only thing about that for like Bell Witch is as of right now, Bell Witch doesn't have a script. It might be the first STM movie oh. since Minerva that doesn't have straight straight narration. I'm using Lauren Ashley Carter signed on to be our narrator, but if I don't, I've always wanted to go back to that Minerva storytelling trope of like not using. Uh, uh, I think "trope" is the wrong word, but that's that Minerva storytelling device of not using a narrator. Sure. And this kind of offers us the the perfect opportunity. The only thing I'm including a lot of the MV Ingram book, like she would actually be just reading lines from the actual original uh, Bell Witch MV Ingram book. Um, awesome. So that might be what we end up doing. Or I mean, that that's subject to change. I'm very early in the edit on that. So, sure. but anyway, the point is, like, if we did if we did that, I'm not sure how that would work as far as like including the scripts. But I think the scripts are. I think if people could see the scripts in writing, you would get an idea of how much I lack as a writer. Like it would really help people to, to fully understand that like most of the time the writing is like laughably terrible. And Mark, Mark has to go. Mark's usually the one that like edits my writing at the end of the day. Like he has to come in and oh, okay. fix it. 
Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he, he has to kind of like salvage, uh, the, uh, the, the garbage that I've like vomited onto the page. Um, because, because the way this works, like the way that the storytelling works with SDM movies is I sit and put together like a really rough cut of the movie okay. and I, I write the narration as I'm editing. So I'll be editing and I hit a point where like, it's a, it, you know, we need to transition between, between scenes or whatever and this is like a good point for narration and then i will sit there and i'll scribble down the narration really quickly and then i narrate it into my phone i airdrop it to myself so i get it on my mac and then i immediately put it in the timeline so there's usually a turnaround time of like maybe five minutes where (laughs) where a chunk of narration is written so like the very early rough cut rough cuts of our movies are really bizarre because it's like all of a sudden there's like, you know, beautiful imagery or whatever. And then you cut into like a black screen and then my voice comes in on my iPhone and there's like clocks <laughs> chiming or like Tommy screaming in the background or something. And it's like, that's great. Yeah. It's wild. I, I love that. I love that stuff. Um, so remind me before you went uh, full time into small town monsters, uh, you were in, um, like a, a newspaper journalist uh, type role or, or what role uh, was that again? No, I mean, that was, that was really like, I did, I did. So I did uh, freelance reporting. Okay. I was a freelance reporter and columnist for maybe like eight years. I don't even know if it was that long. It's probably like six, seven years um, for maybe three or four local papers. And I also did some, some movie reviews on the okay. side whenever, whenever my buddy, um, who was the editor there would let me write. So I got to review like the highlight of that was like, I reviewed um, Scott Pilgrim, which is still like one of my favorite movies. Um, really? Yeah. So, so I got to <laughs> review Scott Pilgrim. So that was like, that was a highlight, but yeah, I, I did. And then I used to do a front page column for the Massillon independent. that was called slice of life, which was, um, dude, I would go and I would re- interview um, small business owners around um, Stark County in Ohio and uh, turn it into like a story about their business. Um, mm-hmm. And you can still find a lot of those columns actually on their website and you can find like, you can find the, um, the stories I wrote for them as well. And then I went to Israel back in like 2008 or 2009 and they really? let me write about write about that as well for the paper so oh, so yeah cool. i did i did i did um that's kind of like that informed that definitely informed the direction we've gone with stm because i think that was like how i learned to be objective and not mm-hmm. and, and then like that's why uh, so many of the early stm projects and like the films don't involve us in any way like myself mm-hmm. in any way on the trail of different but as far as the movies are concerned, I, I try to keep myself completely absent from those. Interesting. Uh, what was it that pushed you? Um, was there a, a point in life or something that, that pushed you that said, okay, I'm going to go, I, I want to do this STM thing. This now I'm going for it. Like there's no going back now. Um, you know, it's weird because, um, yeah, there is. Um, we were, well, there's two, there's two points like that. So the first is, um, 
I was working a medical billing job when we started making Minerva. Okay. So, so we were making Minerva and it was a, a really, um, I try to be nice because they were super supportive of the movie, but it was like so, so boring, like just yeah. mind numbing. Like I, I would sit and cry. Mm. There, there were days where I would literally cry. The job was so terrible. Um, and so like, I remember uh, we were making Minerva, we were getting ready to release Minerva and we had had, so like the back, the secret, the secret of STM, we get we get referred to uh, very often as being like um, uh, mil- people say we're like millionaires or like I'm a millionaire or <laughs> like <laughs> yeah or like uh, or like we're we're uh, we're rich from making these little like independent movies um, but like the secret is we've been getting contacted by major TV networks since before since before minerva was released are you serious so so like um yeah and the first one and i've talked about this like the first one is the infamous um megan fox show that we were pitched before um before minerva had even come out they wanted to make a movie with like me and the guys that were involved in stm at the time riding around in a a van with megan fox um hunting small town monsters and so that was like very early on in the game we we could tell that this was going to be something Mm -hmm. we we i think early on we also thought like many people that once you start getting contacted by tv production companies and stuff man you're you are going to be rich like there's no way you're not going to be rich because you you're talking to tv companies and all we had no idea what we were doing right so like so um, right before, li- literally my last day as a full-time employee at the medical billing company was the day um, we premiered, the day before we premiered Minerva at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. Oh, wow. So I, I went down to part-time um, because I just wanted to focus on the filmmaking. Yep. And, um, and, I, and I was putting so much time into filmmaking at that point that I was essentially working like two full-time jobs at once. So like, I just didn't, oh, wow. I, I would work at, at work. I would be working somehow on small town monsters still, even at my medical billing job, I'd be contacting media or whatever. And, um, so, yeah. so the first time that, I mean, I just remember the impetus for all of that was like, we could tell that <clears throat> there was a, a big interest in Minerva monster and that it was, it was, probably going to you know be be something special and it was um it didn't make any money <laughs> like minerva never made <laughs> minerva never made any money but it did have a lot of like local interest and it definitely like opened the door for us to do more um movies yep. so so it was just that day um you know going down to part-time at the job and then the next step would be in 2017 uh when uh, the mothman of point pleasant came out Mm. um when mothman hit uh we were making invasion on chestnut ridge in pennsylvania and it it came out our first day of filming so we were filming invasion on chestnut ridge and we're we're all staying together in this haunted farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in, in in pennsylvania and mothman came out and we we started tracking it early in the day which we do when a movie comes out or we put something out you can kind of track the success of it, you know, like, what's right. The best yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. 
the movie came out and by like um 6 p.m that night it was like the number one best-selling horror movie oh, and we wow. were we were like well that's crazy so then then and then we just watched it rise mm-hmm. um on on the other list we started watching like the reg just the straight up like new release list and it was like climbing and and by the time we went to bed it was at like number 50 wow. and i was like well that's pretty crazy and then the next morning it was at like number six so it was the number six best-selling movie on amazon the next morning the new that's release crazy movie. and and then later that day, it passed like Rogue One on the overall list. What? It was like, yeah, it was outselling <laughs> Rogue One. So like we, oh man, when we got back from when we got back from that trip, you know, we had just had Tommy. Um, okay, he he was tiny at that point, and we were, I mean, literally, he was like a few weeks old. Oh wow! Um, the first the first like month of Tommy's life was so weird because. Um, he was born on April 25th and, and on like, on like May, the second week in May, we were in Point Pleasant for five days filming a Japanese TV show and him and his mom were in a hotel together <laughs> for the entire time I was filming the show in Point Pleasant. So that was like within the first month of his life. And then I went and filmed wow. Invasion and then I came back and I was just like, I'm going to focus on this um, because this movie is going to do well enough to to mm-hmm. take care of us for a little while yeah, it was it was a, it's still a huge risk because you don't know what's going to happen but the sure. thing about that wasn't necessarily that i quit my job it was that adrian quit hers uh, so then it became then it became okay now i i have to make sure this succeeds because we're both yeah our entire livelihood is hinging on this Pressure's so on, um yeah 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 and then things just kind of like over the course of that year we just um, kept coming up with like more and more ideas. Like that's what the year we kind of came up, dreamed up on the trail of, and that's mm-hmm. the year we oh, yeah. s- sort of set the, tr- the path for STM for the next few years, because we started doing, you know, we, we had been doing two movies a year, but we added in on the trail of, and then it was three mm-hmm. productions a year. And now, you know, this year was also three productions, but next year is going to be f- at least four, if not five. And we've got two on the trail of productions coming out um, on the trail of Bigfoot. Um, there's two on the Jeez. trail of Bigfoot's coming out next year. Um, we have uh, this Rougarou thing. We haven't even announced yet as like our movie for next year. Um, well, I mean, we've got to do just, <laughs> just announced it here. We get, we're working on getting the financing together to do on the trail of UFOs season two. Oh, um, cool. San, Santino really wants to do on the trail of haunting. So like there's a, there's next year's going to be anywhere from four to six productions. Next Dude. Year. So that's intense. Like that's, that's, that's intensity going from up to that amount. I can't even imagine that. Like, I mean, but you love what you're doing. Like that's your, that's the dream, right? Just like yeah, going no, for it. I, mean, I love it. Yeah. Where, where you, where you, yeah, you reach. Um, so I spent 30, I was 33 when we started on Minerva. Okay. So I, I always say I spent 33 years trying to find something I liked working at doing. Mm, and I, and I yep. think that's like, um, I th- I've, I've always been a very lazy person. So, so <laughs> if for, for me to find something that would kind of get me out of that, that headspace and like where, where I want to, where I want to work at being better at it. And I want to put yep. the time in, that was like the most important thing for me because I don't come from 
a family of lazy people. My grandpa was my grandpa was like friggin' Amish. Like he he's, oh, he wow. grew up he grew up Amish. So he was like oh, wow. the the hardest working person I ever known. Totally. He worked until he was ninety three years old, and he oh. retired, and then he died. Like that's my my family. That's how they function. So I was like. I was like the weird one because I didn't have that. Uh, but now that I'm doing movies, like this is all I do. So this is what I like to do. Like you were caught, like as we were getting ready to have this meeting, I was watching videos on, on different lenses and cameras and stuff. Of course. So like that's, is, that's what you would do. Yeah. Like yeah. I watch YouTubes on uh, yeah. how to interview people or yeah. like study uh, certain famous podcasters and try to get their, you know, how they come up with questions and stuff. Um, what would you say, what's your uh, main motivation right now as a filmmaker? Uh, just feeding my family. <laughs> uh, you know, like, no, I mean, it's feeding my family. And then artistically, it's making sure we're, we're not just stagnant. Mm. Um, okay. That, that, that really is like the biggest uh, challenge for us is we're doing so many productions. Mm-hmm that I, I feel like sometimes you we almost have to force ourselves to, to create obstacles that we have to figure out a way around mm. because um, otherwise we'll just keep doing the same thing over and over. And so like the Mark of the Bell, which is interesting because we have to, you know, I mean, we've, we've made, we made a quote unquote name for ourselves by doing movies where we interview witnesses well, like, what does that, what does that look like when we don't have any witnesses when there's literally like oh, yeah. not a single witness in the entire movie. Yeah. And so, um, you know, like, how do we, how do we do that and do it in a different way from Momo? I think there was like a weird misconception last year that when Momo came out, that was like the way we were going to do things going forward. I don't, really? I, I'm still <laughs> confused by that. Yeah. People were like, people were either like, Oh man, I can't wait to see you do a movie like this, but about Bigfoot or, oh, or, no. or like Mothman or, no. and I'm like, no, I mean, it's like a one-off. We don't, yeah, exactly. We, we, try, we really yeah. don't try it. Even, you know, the Mothman legacy um, is a sequel and, and it, and I think it feels like a sequel. And at the same time, we did something completely different from what we did with the Mothman and Point Pleasant because the Mothman and Point Pleasant spends, you know, probably like eight, nine minutes of screen time on animated sequences. And there's like, mm-hmm. it's helping tell the story. And in this, there's yeah. nothing, there's no hand-drawn animation. We, we avoid that. We kind of like, yeah, it's just the biggest thing for us right now is just constantly challenging ourselves on the trail of is great because it offers us. It's like an avenue to go back to the way we did movies when we first started. Okay. Um, and that's why I love on the trail of, because it's just us and a, uh, me and a camera or us and a camera. And it's a return to making movies the way we did with like Whitehall. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, that's the motivation is trying to find new ways to tell a story. Um, I think, I think bell, Witch is going to be interesting because we, we've never approached the level of, or the the sheer like volume of recreations that that mm, we just we okay. just finished with uh, Bell Witch. Like we just rented a farmhouse for five days and shot, wow. um, you know, numerous. We shot twelve uh, two twelve hour days, 
Um, yeah. there was the first day was eight hours and then we did two back to back 12 hour days. And then there was a, uh, like a four hour day on Sunday. Um, you know, and there's, and, and it, the, the wild thing is it's like mostly practical effects so far. Um, we did a oh, lot okay. of like old school, old school, like fishing line and, you know, oh, really? doors, doors closing oh, yeah, with fishing dude. line and, yeah. And, <clears throat> we bought a, a Fresnel light, which I've always wanted to buy, but it never okay. actually gotten. So we, we went and bought a Fresnel light so we could mimic lightning. And that's actually, oh. we just put out a production still t- tonight, like the first production that. still. And yep. that's during, that's like during the sequence that I dreamed up um, called the lightning storm sequence. Um, and that was, it. that's been interesting too, because Mark is a bell, which the, the, the recreations, some of the recreations are things I just dreamed up to illustrate, mm. um, uh, to, to sort of condense a number of events that actually did occur. Okay. Um, so, so you'll see what I mean when you see the movie. It's I can't not, wait to see it's, it. It's, yeah. it's not fictional, but it's like, it's a, it's the first, we were talking about it. Um, Richard Haddam sent me this amazing review of Mothman legacy where he claimed we were like inventing a new genre with what we're doing. Wow. And, and I don't see that with legacy, but I could see that with Mark of the Bell, Witch. like Mark hmm. of the Bell, Witch is, is a really, uh, I think it's going to be a really, it's going to feel like the first genuine horror movie slash documentary, Ooh. like where you're seeing, um, yeah, yeah. There's going to be numerous jump scares too, so I'm pumped. Oh, jump scares! Oh, I can't handle those. Those I can't even handle signs, man. <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. pumped for your movie. Like that's going to be great. Um. So, another question. Um, let's say you're you do the edit. You do a lot of like the editing yourself. Um, is there? Uh, do you have like a music you listen to to get pumped to to edit or like a what's your go-to get pumped to, to film music? Do you have anything or you just, it's in, or is it all in your well, mind? When I, you're just like, bam, go. When I edit, it depends on the project. Sometimes I don't edit to any music. Oh, um, wow. Okay. The Mothman legacy. I didn't have any music in the edit, um, but I am editing sequences from Mark of the Bell, which starting today, I was editing the two sequences I worked on today. I had music I downloaded from Artlist. Um, okay. I know when we made Invasion on Chestnut Ridge, I used uh, a lot of like John Carpenter uh, Halloween. In fact, mm-hmm. I think that was like mostly Invasion on Chestnut Ridge was mostly edited to Halloween. That makes um, sense. Or, or like Neon Demon uh, was another. Um, the Goblin score for, for Dawn of the Dead. Oh, um, wow. Things like that. Uh, but it yeah, it kind of depends on the project. When it comes to like music to film, I don't, I don't. Oh yeah. That, sorry. That's a weird question. That wouldn't well, no, make sense. It's, well, it's, it is kind of cool though, because, um, because I do watch. So I've, I do pump myself up to film Okay. <laughs> as goofy okay. as that sounds like, um, before we did the Mark of the Bullet shoot, I, I had bought a last week. I went and bought, uh, this huge like coffee table book, um, about Wes Anderson Oh, um, nice! Yeah, like Wes Anderson movies, and it, it's just like these massive interviews with him. And as stupid or goofy as that might sound, like that kind of thing really does pump me up. Like reading other filmmakers talking about cool making movies. Um, 
so I don't there there isn't really music that I listen to to pump up get pumped up to make movies, but I will I will spend hours watching um, making ofs and things like that that are kind of like relevant to what we're working on. Obviously, Wes Anderson doesn't really it's not really relevant to the Mark of the Bell Witch, but that was like the thing that I latched onto. I did watch like the morning I was getting ready to leave to go do our first day of filming on the recreations for Bell Witch. I watched a bunch of, uh, a bunch of YouTube um, analysis videos about psycho. Um, ah. Just cause I, well, I'm a huge Hitchcock fan, but just okay. that just popped up. There was something on this, on my YouTube main page about psycho and I just put it on. And then I just started watching video after video about psycho. Yeah. So I don't know nice, if that'll nice. be, if that'll sneak its way into Mark of the Bell Witch or not, but that, I know Mark cool. of the Bell Witch visually is drenched in Robert Weiss's The Haunting, which I've okay. just recently discovered and have been watching nonstop. And uh, Terry Gilliam, like Terry Gilliam, really shoots with that insanely wide close-up. Mm-hmm. When he shoots his close-ups, he shoots like crazy wide, and it like almost warps people's faces. Um, and this movie has that look and you're going to see it when I start posting stills of like Mark Matsky and some of the people that are in the movie. Like it's, it's really obvious. Where, I'm excited. Where we're going yeah. for. That's awesome. Um, I have a few questions for you about uh folklore. Um, yeah. um, is that cool? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, I was going to say I'm terrible about, about, defining folklore which if no. you listen to the episode where i interviewed or ellie interviewed me um uh-huh. of monsteropolis so that should be obvious that i'm still kind of like not quite clear on the difference between like folklore and legend okay but well yes. we, we won't get too crazy but i do have a definition here so don't worry okay, cool. um okay. so folklore definition the traditional beliefs customs and stories of community pass through the generations by word of mouth uh-huh. cool uh-huh. so uh-huh. What is it that draws you? Um, uh, why are you so focused on uh, smaller communities? I see that as a common thread through uh, a lot of your movies or you know documentaries, things like that. Yeah, I don't relate to to big cities and big city mm-hmm. people. So like, I, but not not because of anything against them. I just didn't grow. I grew up in small town. Ah, okay. Um, I spent the first twenty five years of my life not leaving that small town. And so, and I've only ever lived other than when I lived in Canton for a few years. And I don't really think that's a big city, but it's, it's a city. Um, yeah, it's more, um, I, I've always been fascinated by small town life too. Um, mm-hmm. yep. and, and I don't think I have like rose colored glasses about it. Like I, I, I see I see, I see the negativity in some small towns as well. Um, you know, like we got run out, we get run out of places all the time. Making these Do things. you really? We just no had way. It yeah. We just had, a Oh man. And, uh, Mark oh, the Bell, which we had a guy run us out of the, of the, uh, a cemetery. We had permission to film and like showed up, oh, just cussed, cussed me out. Um, really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't have rose colored glasses on about it, but I do, I love small towns and there was my brother and I, when we were kids, I mean, I watched, I, I devoured film. That was like mm-hmm. all I did. Okay. So I had, I had film theories and things like that as a kid that, you know, like I, 
we started noticing common threads in movies. And one of them was like the small town movie genre. Um, you know, there's like Doc Hollywood and Mumford and like all these, oh, yeah, all sure. these like different little like movies, um, you know, that, that kind of like dwell on small town life. And that goes but all the way back to like Frank Capra and mm. it's a, it's a wonderful life and all that kind of stuff as well. But like, exactly, yeah. yeah um, but I've, I always loved those movies. Um, David Mamet made a movie. Of, that might be Mumford. I can't remember. David Mamet made, made a comedy about like small town, a small town. And, and I, I found that when I was like, those were the pick, the pick me up movies were like mm. small comedies about life in small towns. And then when I got into um, newspaper writing, that was like, that was my job was my, my, <clears throat> my beat quote unquote beat was this tiny village called Navarre. Uh, which is a Navarre, uh, a town, uh, I don't even know. It's a village, but I mean, it's, it's tiny. It's right outside of Maslin, Ohio, okay. um, right down the road from Canton. And um, so like, uh, you know, I, I interviewed small business owners in small towns too. So yeah, I mean, small towns is just where I, and, and when it comes to cryptids and the paranormal, the reason I started doing this isn't that I love, Bigfoot or the Mothman, it's that I'm interested in how Bigfoot or the Mothman might impact or change the culture of a community. And okay. you're not going to have that in a big city. It's too big, you know, it's too, it's too massive to have any impact at all. But a, a small town like Minerva can completely, it can alter the way they make money, mm, you know, can yep. alter the, the financial state of a, small town Minerva's a bad example because they haven't embraced it the way some someplace like Point Pleasant has or even Falk where yeah. the biggest breadwinner in Falk Arkansas which is a town of like 600 and some people the biggest breadwinner there's the monster bar the you know, with their yep, giant exactly. giant Bigfoot on the roof so yeah <laughs> that's that's the thing that I'm interested in even more so than the monsters that's awesome that is a super way uh to encapsulate everything right there what you just said i love that um how do you decide which folklore or legend or cryptid to pursue next is there kind of like a formula you follow or is it you just you, you got a feeling well for yeah i mean it's the feeling but it's also like what can we do visually with that story mm, okay. so like the mark of the bell witch was like a no-brainer just because we hadn't done a ghost a ghost story right um so we wanted to do something that was a little more out there. It is funny though, until recently, until maybe two weeks before or even the week before we went to shoot Bellwitch, I didn't have a really clear idea of visually what it was going to be. And then wow. for some reason I was watching, um, you know, I was watching a lot of haunted house movies, just trying to get wrap my brain around what it was we were telling a story about because the movies are, yeah. Okay. It's a movie about the Bellwitch, but like, what is it about? every movie we've made is about something beyond the monster. Um, mm -hmm. yep. yep. So most of, most of them are about story. Um, but, but the story and storytelling, but yeah, with, with, with bell, I, I was watching all these haunted house movies and I realized like, it's definitely a haunted house movie. Um, you know, it's, it's about this quote unquote spirit, but it's, it, it is about this, the house that we're living in being, you know, inundated with this malevolent force um that attacked them for four years or five years um 
but beyond that, like what it, what is it? And then I, I started thinking about, we, we had these three historians that we were going to interview and I was trying to figure out how that was going to work. Um, and I really started to like the idea of interviewing those dudes together um, because I knew one of them mm. was a young, a, this young guy named Brandon. And then the other guy is this older historian who's kind of like, you know, he's, he's, he's getting ready to pass the baton on to Brandon exactly. essentially as, yep. as like Adam's uh, historian. And I realized it was kind of like the old cop, young cop, like yep. kind of deal. And I told Zach <laughs> uh, visually, I was like, man, this is like, you know what it is. It's a, it's a haunted house movie. I mean, it's a police procedural. It's and so crazy. we say things like that. And then it doesn't happen. But like Zach and I actually just had this conversation after we finished shooting everything on Sunday, after we finished shooting everything yesterday, everyone left except Zach and I. We, sh- we sat on the porch of the house and talked for a while, the house we had rented, you know. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is the first movie where we had a conversation early on about what it was going to be. And it actually is what we talked about. Because nice. normally it just changes, just circumstantial or whatever changes. And this one, this one pretty much stuck to what we were you know, talking about going into it. What was the question? How did I start talking about this? Uh, well, we were just kind of discussing some uh, Bell Witch stuff, which actually leads me into some Bell Witch questions, if that's cool. Yeah, but I feel like I yeah. didn't hit my the point of that question. Uh, well, that? you know, we were, let's see here. It was, I have so many notes and questions sorry, right man. now. No, you're good. Oh, uh, how do you decide which folklore legend to pursue? And yeah, oh, yeah. we covered yeah, it. Yeah, yep. yeah. You're good. I mean, it comes, it comes down to the people too, though. Like yeah. if I'm, if I'm not interested in the people and I can't f- find a way uh, to tell a story that will be different visually from our other stories, I, mm. you know, like we, we, we won't tell that story, even That's if it's huge. like a really cool cryptid. The other thing is like the, the unfortunate reality of doing what we do is we have to be aware that like some of this stuff is not going to be commercially viable. So like heck yeah, I would make a Fresno Nightcrawlers movie. Oh my god! But goodness. it's it's not gonna it's not gonna friggin' make a dime. So like, well, no, it'll make it. a dime. I'll give you a dime. Like I can't, can't oh do it. Oh my gosh, dude, do it. I I killed it. My <laughs> wife wants me to make a, a sky a movie about sky squids, which I'm pretty sure is something she sky like squids. invented. It's yeah, she claims they're I'm sky squids. Okay. I'm loving it. I'll tell her. So questions about, about the Mothman. Um, no, sorry. My bad. Oh, my goodness. It's a long work day. Uh, Bell Witch. I've got different sections here. So Bell Witch. Why do you think the Bell Witch is such an uh, integrated part of Adams, Tennessee? This may seem really like an obvious question, but I'm just curious to get your thoughts on it. My wife is standing in the doorway glaring at me. Right? I wish I could turn my screen toward her. She heard Sky Squids and her name, so she's, oh, no. You're done, she's down dude. here double checking. Yeah, why? Why is it such a big part of it? Um, yeah, why do you think? You know what? Honestly, dude, it's one of the more confusing. There's two parts to that question. One is like, why are the bells mm. such an important part yes. of Adams, Tennessee? We yes. can't quite figure this out. That's weird, right? Um. Yeah. It's really bizarre because there's there's a big Mason connection in this town. Oh, I'm glad you're bringing this up. Yeah, and <clears throat> and it's like 
we were actually just looking at footage yesterday and on the side of the bell graves there there's this cemetery there's there's this massive cemetery mm-hmm. with an obelisk in the middle of it oh called bellwood and all bellwood. the generations yeah all the generations of the bells are buried there and if you look oh, no. at the the headstones they all have either a mason symbol or that whatever the f- the female the lady masons are called it's like daughters sure. of the star or something like that okay so, so there's this weird masonic connection there um wow. and i i'm not i am not down you know i'm not i'm not necessarily conspiracy minded when it comes to the masons right i do i do think there's some strange things happening there and we got you know like we got taken into the the uh the Mason Lodge in in um, Adams while we were there, which is kind of a weird story in itself. That story um, on Monsteropolis is the best, one of the best stories you've ever told. It, it so is bizarre. so good. It's so good. So weird. Um, oh my gosh. So, so there's the weird Mason thing, but um, the Bells were a poor family. Like this would be, you know, it's a town that where there's probably generation upon generation of poor people there who've been forgotten mm. so what is it about the bells that we're still like obsessing over, over yeah. or not not obsessing but like that they're celebrated there to the degree mm. that they are okay. so that that part of it's strange and then you know and and the two were probably intertwined the fact that the bell witch is such a popular story it's called the most famous haunting in american history so okay even though we in the the present generation might kind of i don't think it's forgotten but i think it might be overlooked a little bit now in favor of things like amityville the the bell witch is the 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 grand the granddaddy of them all like Hmm. it's it's the it's the ultimate american haunting um and once you get into investigating the story, it becomes pretty apparent why. I mean, there's so much to it. Um, so I think they they just celebrate it in Adams because it's a key piece of their history and it's the most well known part of their yep. history. It's. I Makes mean, sense. you could say that about most of these small. You could say sure. About yeah. Point exactly. Plus. Yeah. Um, so so it's just it's there. It's celebrated, but I will say. It's celebrated there in a way I don't see other places, even Point Pleasant, mm, celebrate their history because Adams has a plaque, a government plaque right outside the city hall Whoa. that is that says the Bell Witch. And it's like an official state plaque. And it oh gives the history of the Bell Witch. And um, they put on a play called Spirit that's all about the Bell Witch. Really? And, I love it. Yeah. yeah and and it's like their town play. And, and so, oh, man. so those little things, you don't see Point Pleasant as a town doing no. that. You know, they, they, even the Mothman Festival that's put on by Jeff Wamsley, it's not put exactly. on by the town of Point Pleasant. They have some involvement, but it's not their event. So it is strange. Like they have really, um, they've embraced it. At the same time, they kind of scoff at it, but it's a scoff, it's a scoffing that comes with a certain level of respect for the, the story, which is, is difficult for me to explain, except that I actually feel the same way. Cause I don't know that hmm. the bell, which I don't know that I believe in the reality of the bell, which 
but I am very cognizant of of being respectful of her and uh, and the story itself. Because I can tell you, we've all been having nightmares on the crew. Every no, single one. Stop, Every Seth, single are one you kidding since, me? No, I mean, there's some oh, creepy no. things. There's a visually, we are displaying. Um, Kate in the movie in three different ways, even though she wasn't really seen um, the bell, which uh, we are like, we're going to visually show her a few times in the movie, not much, but like we're going to visually show her and the three different ways we're showing her are all, are all sort of like callbacks to either pieces of her legend or pieces of something that there, the picture I posted today, you're seeing an outline yeah. of like a, there's like antlers. Um, that's based on a nightmare that, that oh, Heather, geez. uh, Heather Mosier had, um, where the bow witch was showing up to her in this cloak with a, with a deer skull, basically. Are you head. kidding me? So, um, yeah. Wow. And, and that started, um, so bell witch has actually been on the table for us since at least 2018 and Heather, um, who's our research girl. Um, she went to, she, she actually went to Adams back, I think it was 2018 when she went and she did research for us for the, for the story all the way back in 2018. Okay. Um, and she had nightmares leading up to that, that, that trip that included the bell, Witch telling her she couldn't, the bell, Witch herself could not wait to meet us. Um, and that we Shut were going to heck up. Yeah, that we were going to have a lot of Dude. fun together and stuff like that. So, no, and and I've no, had no. I've been having nightmares uh, periodically. So was Aaron. So was now Zach. Zach had a nightmare too, but it involved him being on The Bachelor, and it's a little different from understandable. Understandable. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. Um, what's the point where you say this is like? So I'm I'm going to go off script for a minute. There are certain things that I'm very um, aware of. I should probably like. It's it's hard, Seth, because on the one hand you're like, okay, there's like folklore I want to capture, but then if your crew is having dreams, like nightmares about this like entity, like where's the line, right? Like that can that's that's scary stuff, dude. Like. I don't well, know how yeah, I would feel about that, you know? Like my my thing is we've all been very aware of this. Okay. So I think it, it's going to seep into your thoughts anyway. Sure, sure. For for me, I haven't taken it I haven't taken it with like the certain a certain level of gravity because for me, um I've been sort of inundating myself with horror for mm. the last month or so okay. trying to, to get my head in, sure. in the space of like needing to make sure. a horror movie. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely like it's Brandon told us that you know, Brandon's um, so Brandon Barker, he's, he's actually a professor of folklore at Indiana university. He's also like, cool. the official Tennessee um, state folklorist. Oh, wow. So um, he told me like, he doesn't believe in the bell witch, hmm. but he, tr- he treats it with respect. And he said, people in that town, most of the people don't believe in the bell, Witch, but mm. they, they're not going to make fun of that story. And they're not going to make fun of the bell, Witch, and they're not going to tell you she doesn't exist to your face. So like that you treat that's it with a certain level of respect. And that's like, that's how I feel about it. Weirdly enough. Like, mm. I don't know. I don't know what happened. You'll, you'll find out why I don't know what happened 
there's so many variations of the story and there's okay. so much we can't corroborate, but there are weird things happening there. Even to this day, wow. I might have to shift my spooky story around. Actually, no, I'm saying this when we, yeah, yeah, mull it, mull it over as we go along. But that sounds like it could be, it could be good. Um, That's for so, your Patreon show, right? It is. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure we plug your Patreon show. Dude, the, the Patreon uh, guys and, and girl now, because mm-hmm. Coco's in it from Strange Little Lands, which okay. Coco's bomb. Like she's great. She was a fun interview yesterday. Did she did she give you her email address? Uh I'm not asking you to give it out on the show. It's just uh <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I I mean I can't remember, but yeah, I would have it because it's part of the like she usually sign up. She she gave me her email address and I yeah. died because it was it was hilarious when you know her. Okay. I hope she's listening to this because no, she's she's super. Oh, I guarantee cool. um, she is. Uh, she made me the uh, a headless horseman yep. sleepy hollow diorama a few months ago. It's awesome. So the uh, the episode that uh, we actually spend quite a bit of time where she goes into like the background and like like how the process and uh, we used your piece as an example of the oh, process. Cool. It's pretty cool. So it's a it's a fun interview. Um, yeah. Just check it out. But uh, so Mothman, want, definitely want to talk about uh, Mothman Legacy. Uh, a few questions. And um, first one is, uh, so not like not trying to be like, so I'll just ask it. Um, why make another Mothman film if you've made a few before already? Yeah. I mean, we've only made one Mothman movie. Okay. And that's the Mothman point pleasant. However, I do consider Mothman of Point Pleasant Terror in the Skies and the Mothman Legacy our Mothman mm-hmm. trilogy. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and that's just because Terror in the Skies t- tonally feels very similar mm-hmm. to um, the Mothman of Point Pleasant. And, you know, it really like picks up the melancholy of the Terror. Terror really picks up like the melancholy of the third act of Mothman of Point Pleasant and then just pushes it throughout the entire movie. Um, Okay. And and so yeah, what I guess what drew me back to that is the fact that we just kept having Mothman witnesses contact us. Mm, so yep. we, I mean, like I don't. Yep. At at a certain point, you realize okay, there's more than enough witnesses to tell a movie or to tell a story here. And the interesting the Mothman yep. uh, Mothman Legacy has more on-screen witness interviews than anything we've done outside of on the trail of. So it even outdoes Boggy Creek Monster because mm. um, we have, what, seven seven or eight witness interviews. It's in, a lot. Yeah. In the Mothman Legacy. Um, and, it's, it, and we had more. Um, there's a story that's briefly touched on in one of the narrated sections where Lyle talks about a, a building engineer or an architect or something mm-hmm. seeing yep. a, a Mothman outside a tunnel. That guy was up for an interview. I could have gotten that interview, but oh, we really? were like, we were dealing with COVID and we were also dealing with yep. the fact that we were running out of time and money. So yep. like exactly. certain stories got axed. Um, yeah, we could have had, we probably could have had 12 eyewitness interviews in that movie easily. Um, but yeah, it was just the fact that there was more to tell. And then there was also the idea that we could finally do a movie that was, as much about the phenomenon as it was about like a single event. Mm. So the Mothman and Point Pleasant is about 
the Mothman in Point Pleasant between 66 and 67. Um, just like Boggy Creek Monster is all about the Boggy Creek Monster, you know, being seen around Boggy Creek. Um, this was a movie that was as much about the folklore as it was the, the sightings that mm-hmm. were taking place. So it was yeah. like, you know, like it's, it's funny because the, the only negative feedback I have received thus far regarding the Mothman legacy is that it doesn't get to the Mothman quick enough. Um, what? Come on. And, and I'm like, if that's the case, you're, <laughs> you're kind of like missing the whole point. You're, you're of the missing movie. the point. Yeah. Yeah. If like, because we're, we have to set up that Appalachian, history like this this mm-hmm. is the one stm movie where to cut any piece of the the geographical history would sort of d- ruin the point of the whole exactly movie. um we we have to set up who lives there who settled it what their way of life was and i mean we managed to do that in a pretty quick period of time you're talking like five six minutes it's not terribly long yeah yeah but it's very important because there's there's a lot of elements of, you know, like um, Irish Scottish legend that comes into play later in the movie. It does, yeah, it really does. And it uh, also asks it also asks viewers to like draw those lines themselves. Like we don't necessarily connect all the dots for people. So there's a lot of things. It's good. Yeah, there's a lot of things there for for viewers to do. Um, yeah, I think it just came down to the fact that we knew there was more than enough to make another movie. I mean, oh, yeah, at this point, yeah, yeah. I think we could make a fourth movie if we if we really wanted to. Now, the trick with this one was like, you know, the trick with this one was how do we make it a, a direct sequel to to the Mothman and Point Pleasant, but like have it stand on its own as mm. a, like visu- visually. Okay. Um, and so Moth. I recently rewatched the Mothman of Point Pleasant, strangely enough, while standing in the Mothman Museum. And I was like, I was, (laughs) I was struck by the fact that the movie still looks pretty good. Like for a Mm. 2017 release for us. And given that we change and grow, hopefully project to project, like I was surprised when I rewatched it because I was like, man, this definitely has its own look. Like it is very distinctly its own thing. And, um, so we wanted to, when we made Mothman legacy, we were very aware of that. Like this has to be its own thing. Um, so going into the, the, so what happened, one of the big things that happened last year is we had two projects, two, two films come out. One of them had the most, um, animated sequences in an SDM film we've ever had. And that was terror in the skies. Mm -hmm. And the other, the other had no animated sequences really. And that was Momo. And so, so pe- fun, though. people didn't pick up on that shift, but that was like Momo in a way is, is, was the first STM movie to indicate that we were moving away from, from that animation. Um, mm. And some of that just had to do with the fact that we had reached a point in working with Scalf, with Chris Scalf, where he was just kind of, he's too busy. <laughs> like you can't mm. keep doing okay. projects with us. And we were ready to start trying to tell those, rec- do those recreations ourselves. 
you know, to, to actually try to either practical, practical effect wise or, or CG, whatever it is, we wanted to, to be able to do those recreations ourselves and control the look of them. And so Mothman Legacy is the first like big STM effects film where all the effects are either CG or practical. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you were, uh, so thank you for, you know, set, uh, I was able to see a screener of it and, uh, you're exactly right. The, the effects in this film are amazing. Um, looking at previous STM films and now looking at this, it's like, it blows my mind how, you know, it, that combined with the music, the music is awesome, dude. Like that is quite the soundtrack. And like when you listen, when you watch this movie uh, with headphones, it's a different experience. Like it, it just all around, like the tension in this movie, it's weird. It's like, it's interviews, but there are also scenes where you're like, you're just like, you know, like dark night tensed up. Like it's good, man. Like, yeah, the, yeah. the, um, the, the score is great. He, Brandon actually brought in some of those like Celtic, Mm-hmm. Uh, Celtic instruments, the things that'll call back to the the Apple. I mean, the Appalachian history that people keep telling me to ask. <laughs> <laughs> like it all calls back to that stuff. Um, and then the, yeah, I think um, visually the trick with this one was like the recreations. We can we can pretty easily slap together like a, a recreation, just shoot something and then hand it off to Santino and Santino sure. will find a way to make it work. But it gets like stale. So there's some recreations in this that I'm super proud of, like how we pulled them off um, from a filmmaking standpoint. Like the, th- the three that stand out to me always are, um, well, there's, there's actually four. The one is... Um, the scene with the, the where Susan Shepard is talking about hearing the Mothman walking on a roof. Oh, geez. Um, yes. As a kid. Yes. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, that up angled shot, like looking over, over, over my niece Dixie's shoulder. <laughs> Cause that's Susan. That scene is my niece Dixie. And Dixie's actually in the movie like five times. <laughs> um, oh, man. So, so that shot I'm super proud of. Uh, looks really cool. And then, uh, the other one is is the scene that's um, Leah Wilson's encounter where she heard the Mothman flying near her uncle or maybe it's her grandma, grandpa. I can't remember. Near she was in an old farmhouse and she heard the Mothman coming down the the holler, ran to the window, mm-hmm. and that's the first time where I managed to sneak not sneak, but that's the first time where I I had a very clear idea of how to use slow motion. Um, in a, in a recreation and, and then Santino was able to make his visuals work with that. So like she, she opens the door or opens the window and there's the, you know, the Mothman flies by the window, but it, it, we shot it at one twenty, So it's like a really slow okay. motion, yep. um, really intense slow motion. And I wanted that scene to be like somewhere between like scary but also sort of like regal or majestic yep. like you're yeah, no thing. exactly right yeah 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 uh and he pulled that off and then the other two uh, just the making of those scenes is hilarious because it was just aaron and i I had to shoot all these recreations myself um <laughs> so every COVID. single yeah because yeah, of covid so every single recreation i shot um and thankfully i had aaron on the last two and the one is les odell's 
recreation, which I think is going to be the one that everyone talks about probably the most. Um, and that's the one where the uh, less wakes up in the middle of the night and this thing's in oh, his room. I don't, I don't really want to give away too much. Yeah. Don't don't. Cause it's good, man. It's yeah, really good. Yeah. That one was really fun to shoot because we, um, we actually shot it in the house where we filmed. Um, we filmed the interviews for the Boggy Creek monster DVD. Really? Yeah. It oh, was man. Aaron's, it was Aaron's old house. So Aaron just kind of rejoined the crew this year after like a three year absence. Okay. So, so um him and i shot it in that house even though no one's living there right now and um we got in his his father-in-law owned it and actually i guess they just sold it so we got in this window where it was open and we were able to use it so i i just really like some of the individual shots in that sequence there's a shot of like a fan in the foreground spinning and like Wes is laying on the ground only less is played by me which, <laughs> <laughs> which nice. you know again covid um, yeah right yeah uh so but i just think that sequence came together the other that i think is really cool is the um is uh it's either ron lanham's scene where he sees it in the road which i filmed down at rogues hollow late at night um okay you're not you're not supposed to be on that road and rogues hollow is like this nice. creepy yeah creepy locals uh park it's not a state park. It's like a county park, but it's not an official county park. Anyway, Rogue's Hollow was like the most, supposedly the most haunted place in Ohio. Um, so we filmed down there late at night, one night. And the other sequence that I really like in that movie is uh, the abandoned house scene where, where Jack tells the story about seeing the Mothman standing in this abandoned house late at night. Oh, yeah, yeah. And totally. all of those have to have their own little weird identity. So mm-hmm. like the 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 jack um jack story about seeing it in the abandoned house my idea for that one was like the the camera's always turning so like mm-hmm. in every shot the camera's actually moving um and and it's mimicking the movement of the bicycle wheel cuz he was he was pushing a bicycle home when he saw mm-hmm. it and so like each shot each individual frame is sort of twisting and there's a really cool shot that we did um, where he first sees the Mothman inside the abandoned building. The camera pushes in toward the Mothman standing in the building and all these moths come out of the building and the camera's like yeah. going clockwise. Um, it's cool. It's a really cool, man. That was a really cool moment, yeah. Um, my favorite was um, just going over like the interactions between uh, is Jeff Wamsley, right? Who owns yeah. the Mothman and like how he's passing that on to his daughter. That, well, that was really cool. Like that whole, like that whole section. I love that just as a parent. That's very cool. Yeah. And it's the, that's the, that's the legacy. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if sense, some people yeah. will get that. That's like, that's the name. The namesake is the Wamsleys. That's why I dedicated mm-hmm. the movie to the Wamsleys okay. because like, the, the Mothman legacy is Jeff leaving the museum to Ashley, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's the actual legacy. It's also like that legacy is also the Appalachian settlers and the native Americans who lived there mm-hmm. probably having some role in the Mothman, whatever that would be the, the Mothman being there today. So I want to do a quick check on everything doing good so far time-wise we're good oh yeah yeah you're yeah, good? good okay because yeah i i got i got some more i just wanted to make keep, sure yeah. that you're no, good keep going. all right all right let's go let's go man okay uh let's let's uh talk about bigfoot for a bit mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. There's this question I have that I got when I was watching On the Trail of Bigfoot, the first one. Yeah. Second one's not out. And I can't remember if I've actually asked you this or not, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to go for it. So I remember thinking this when I'm watching the Area X episode and I'm like, Seth has really bad migraines. And then I'm like, could that be related to infrasound? No. No, okay. <laughs> Absolutely no. not. Case closed. <laughs> no. I no, I, it's, I've, I've had other people try to try to ask me that, but okay. no, it's, it's just not. Like right. I, had, I had comparable migraines while we were shooting uh, on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey in mm-hmm. the Adirondacks. Okay. Um, I had comparable migraines while we were filming uh, Boggy Creek Monster. Mm-hmm. I had comparable migraines while we were shooting Terror in the Skies. I just get mm. migraines when okay. I'm filming. Yeah. When I'm filming, yeah, and sure. and some of it also has to do with like I I go to a doctor. I've gone to it. You know, I, I go to doctors because my headache uh, headaches. And I had a guy tell me once, like it, you, you're like the perfect storm because you have every type of headache there is. Wow. I get, I get, um, I get sinus headaches. I get tension headaches. I get oh, geez. pressure headaches. I have yeah. uh, migraines. Like I have all the, every kind of headache you could have, I have. And, Man. and some of the, like, I think the Adirondacks, the first time I went to the Adirondacks, I had migraines the whole time I was there. I actually think it has something to do with like the clean air. Like the air so clean huh. in those places. Yeah. Like I think my body can't can't comprehend what's happening, and like I start getting some sort of si- well, weird sinus yeah. headache. You never know. I'm sorry um, though. If you want to, I can say yes. It, it was definitely no. You're fine. It's it's one of those things where you're like you're tired and you're watching something. You're like oh, oh and then you know it's yeah. just it's you being dumb. But um, I figured that was the case. But uh, so when you did on the trail of um, you're out in New England filming. Mm-hmm. You guys were hanging out in Western Mass for a while, right? Yeah, we spent well, not for a while. We were there for yeah, maybe six hours. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the pace of like an SDM shoot is is yeah. it's crazy. We, um, I mean, that day was a day from hell and heaven simultaneously. Mm. Like that whole trip seemed to be that way. That we drove um, basically like two and a half hours, I think, to get to Western Mass. But on the way there, yep. we had to stop in Kennewick, um, Kennewick, um, Kinderhook and mm-hmm. interview. York, yep. Yeah, and, yep. and do a, an interview about the Kinderhook creature. Oh, and, yeah. um, I mean, that interview was a disaster because I accidentally shot it at 120 without realizing it and then had oh, to reshoot geez. the entire interview. Oh, no. And, yeah, it was just like that day was crazy. So we got into Western Mass at um, – no, maybe like six or seven at night. And then we were there until two in the morning. Wow. Um, it might've been a little later than that. Might've been like seven or eight, but it, it was like, you know, we were, we, we got to, we were in there with the Squatch Massachusetts guys. We went on. Yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We went on this hike back in the woods nice. and um, it was super cool. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like that, all I know is at the end of that night, you know, we left when we left Western Mass, it was like one o'clock in the morning and we got to mm-hmm. Troy, New York, where I had booked us hotels um, to sleep that night. So we didn't have to drive all the way back to the Adirondacks. Um, we stayed in Troy, New York that night. And I just remember getting into bed at like two or three in the morning and thinking that I can't, I couldn't recall an STM shoot 
that was that level of just constant activity. Hmm. Like our, the closest I think it's come is the, uh, the desert trip we took for on the trail of UFOs where it was uh, just Jason and I came from Ohio and Brandon met us out there and we, it was Brandon, Shannon, myself and Jason. And we just did constant filming for like four, four days. But even that had basically two days in Vegas where all we did was hang out. So this was not, this was not that. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Western Mass uh, and it's a, such a beautiful area. And I'm glad you got to hang out there for at least six hours. Like, yeah, I love, I love that. It was, I grew up in Northfield. I think you guys, you were, well, you probably were like, I don't know if you can say where you were. Were you in like Berkshires or? Um, we were right? in Savoy. Oh, dude. Yeah. Savoy. State Jeez. Forest or whatever. Like, um, yeah. So we were near we were near a, a town. I can't remember what the name of the town was, but the town was weird. There's some weird stuff out there, dude. Like it is definitely Squatch Town and like well, we were there and stuff. Yeah, we were there at a weird time too because COVID was going on and the yep. riots had just kind of come oh, into yeah. to the town we were in, and I guess they were pretty bad there. So mm. there was it was like a ghost town when we were there. Oh wow! Um, and so yeah, it was a very strange point in time it's a very Mm -hmm. like that that whole trip was like a very strange point in time anyway because for most of us on the crew it was our first time to really be out living again yeah right months Mm -hmm. of being holed up in our homes so um so yeah you'll see like the movie's very much about this point in time okay i love it yeah um you mentioned that next year there's two on the trail of bigfoot's yeah. which or which is awesome uh, mm-hmm. that that was kind of I, I knew about one of them but I guess I hadn't uh, heard about the other one which is great so uh, what's can you tell kind of like what's the difference between the two or like you know why two well, instead of like one big one you know well on the trail of Bigfoot one is technically two films on the trail that's of Bigfoot, true the legend yep, true. on the trail of, of Bigfoot the search so if you look at it mm-hmm. this is actually three and four and not two oh. Not okay. not like on the trail of Bigfoot too. It's technically okay. on the trail of Bigfoot three and four. So hmm. um yeah, on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey is all about our trip to um the Adirondacks after being well, like I just said, after being holed up in our house for months um okay. because of of the pandemic. Um and on the trail of Bigfoot, the discovery, which has not been officially announced on our social media, but I've been posting things about it, that will be um about uh, uh, a our our return trip to the Olympic Peninsula to hang out with the Olympic oh, Project guys. Yes, and um to go <laughs> to go up into um, some of the hopefully get up into like the nesting site and all that. Please, kind of stuff yeah, do the nest. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Um, so that's that's the plan for that one. Um, you know, I have a really good friend that I grew up with here in Ohio named Brent who lives out in Oregon. And okay. He um, he's not at all into Bigfoot, but he is into customizing uh, overland vehicles. And, of course, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he found out I was going to be out there, he's like, "Dude, you have to borrow a car or one of my vehicles oh, and I put it in." Dude, like, yeah. So we're going to go out there and get this um, customized like Gladiator and take it out, and we're going nice. to be able to like it's it's got a camper attached to it and all this stuff. So we're going to be able to use that as well. So 
yeah, we're stoked about that. And I think that crew is going to be interesting too, because I think Adrian's going. So I think, I think oh. this is going to be like the first on the trail of, especially on the trail of Bigfoot where Adrian's actually in it. Hello. Um, yeah. So she's going to be in it. And then um, I'm really hoping, you know, crew wise, I can get Alexander involved and, yep. Um, yep. and Andrew um, Peterson. I'm trying to get him on that crew as well. He's supposed to be doing Do something it. else with me before then. Do it. So, yeah, this is the year. I keep telling him, like, either twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one is is when it's happening. Uh, you know what? And I am so glad that is it is happening. So definitely, yeah. that is amazing news. Like, shout out to Andrew. Andrew's Andrew's my dog. Like, he's the man. Um, this is going to be a question where feel free to shut it down if you need to but I'm going to ask it. So it feels like STM is getting ready to launch into some amazing things. Um, it just, I have a feeling. Is there anything, any light you can shed to that? Or like, it, it feels like you're making some big moves. Um, I don't know, man. To no? me, it feels, no, I don't, I don't have that same hmm. sense. Cause for me, it's like, um, yeah, I think we we continue to grow, but we, you know, the, honestly, it's frustrating in a way because the growth that needs to take place is all predicated on money, uh-huh. and and yeah, we could we could have we could have had a TV show last year. Uh-huh. Um, we were in the final stages of signing paperwork wow. um, when when we walked away, and it had to do with the Adam Wingard collaboration that never took place. It mm-hmm. still hasn't taken place. And um, so we ended up, we ended up walking away from the show and doing, you know, going with the wing guard thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like we've got a lot of things on the burners, but okay. you never know what's going to actually take place. Like Mark Maskey and Jason Yudis wrote a script for a, a fictional film oh, based, wow. based on the Abe Canyon incident. Um, oh, I've heard you talk about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That we want to make um, yeah. as our first fictional film. I love and it. we do like we have a manager who she's. I've never talked about her publicly, like who she is, but her name's Elizabeth Fowler. She's a film producer. If you Google search her, you will be shocked that she's involved in SDM. She's like, awesome. She's like a legit producer. She she produced this Kyra Knightley movie, Official Secrets, last year. She's she's um. Yeah, she's 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 pretty awesome. She's tied into like Scott Derrickson and all these guys, but it's it's a weird cool. story, like how we even got connected with her. Um, but she's our manager, and she's she really wants to like try to get this movie made. Um, and at the same time, I'm very picky about or very um, I'm very set on the fact that I don't want to lose control. Yep. So okay. um, so either I'm steering the ship at the end of the day or it's just not going to happen. And like, it's been that way from the beginning and that'll probably like someday that that might end up biting us in the butt because mm-hmm. that, that extends to like even, even things like investors and stuff like that. I've walked away from just cause it, we, oh, wow. we, I hate to lose control of our money and like what we can spend it on and things like that. So, gotcha. um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that that might happen, but it's also like trying to figure out the best way to spend 
what money we do have and hopefully grow um, as a company and grow our audience while still retaining our independence. That's been mm. the hardest thing to figure out because everyone wants a piece. Yeah. And I, th- I, I think if Mothman legacy is as big as I think it's going to be because of how much they want to dump into the marketing and all that kind of stuff. I think if it's as big as I think it's going to be, it's only going to get harder. Even mm-hmm. if we, even if on a surface level, it seems like we're more successful or whatever, yep. because we have to figure out, it still all comes down to well, how do we manage to do all this completely independent so we're not beholden to anyone, um, and so we can continue to steer the ship. And and in a way, like as goofy as the sound, like s- some of that comes down to like principles and like even morals. And are we doing what we <laughs> what we should be doing with the company or what we? My dog's barking at something. Um, <laughs> she didn't like the. She she hates morals. If I start get out of here, morals, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just like it's a weird it's a weird thing to do because we took a company. We've we've, I, we took it. We created something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, not, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's not like super common, but yeah. um, like end of the day, I always say that I will go back to medical billing or landscaping or, or whatever before I, before I see myself become miserable making movies. Like Um. if I, if I were to be in a situation where I'm the reason I'm happy doing this is because I'm doing it. Okay. I, I make the rules. I'm the guy, (laughs) the guy that steers the ship. Um, if I, if I, had a boss i would be she's she's growling so she's probably gonna start barking again um (laughs) if i had a boss i don't think i would be as content doing this and i don't know that i would work as hard at it Mm. as i as i do because you you might you know like that was what i hated about medical billing aside from the fact that it's just monotonous as you're told what to do by your overlords and if we're in a situation that's why i always bristle at TV shows is like, you know, when you're, when you're involved in that, you're being told what to do and you really don't have any creative control over it at all, regardless of what they tell you. Cause they'll tell you every single we've done, we've had 20, 30 phone calls, no joke, 20 or 30, just between 20 and 30 phone calls in, in five years where we actually spoke to people. We've probably had a hundred phone calls where they call us trying to, get involved somehow it happens i know last year between january and march we had 20 calls come to adrian crazy but they 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 all want the same thing they want what we have at the cheapest available price and they want to tell us what what they can what they're going to be able to do with our thing yeah not cool yeah so so it is like i'm not i'm not arguing what you said, like, I do think it's probably a big, like, I think we're probably, it's probably a big year coming up, especially like the remainder of this year is huge because it's our first year with a distributor. Yes, exactly. So like all of our income is in their hands, which is terrifying. Ooh. Um, cause we signed uh, over, we signed yeah. over like, um, a number of the catalog titles to them as well, okay. but it was also a step we had to take because you can't, 
continue to function the way we were, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, we were in a sink or swim situation because of what Amazon continues to do year in and year out. It's, yeah. No, cutting payouts yeah. to creators. Yeah. It's anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling, but it's a big year. I just think like, I tend to be a little more paranoid about where we're going as well. So no, uh, you're, that was a good answer. So now we have get ready for the listener questions. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all over the place and okay. it could be pretty wild and crazy. And uh, here we go. Okay. So <clears throat> first one, Jedi imposter, Greg, uh, who would you like to hear speak at a Bigfoot or paranormal or cryptic conference? Who would be like your number one person that you would think would be pretty cool? Um, Jane Goodall. Yeah, dude, that would be sweet. And I know people yeah. love to like talk about the fact that she supposedly believes Bigfoot exists. I just would like to hear the truth. The truth. I want to know if that's actually true. Like, do you actually believe? Do you actually think Bigfoot exists? Are you just being? Are you just being hopeful, or is there something that mm. some insight you can give us? into the thought process there because everyone knows that she's said before, like she thinks Bigfoot exists, but I would like to know, I'd like to ask follow-up questions to that. So I understand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Um, and these are all Instagram usernames. Like if people listening to this are like, Oh, I wish I could look up this person. Well, now you can. Okay. Uh, user. I am Matsky. Andy Matsky says, what is your favorite Andy Matsky related memory? Oh my God. Of course it would be about him. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. That's a good question though. You know what? Like just watching that kid grow up has been crazy. Cause I've known him since he was 11. Mm. Um, so like just seeing him go from like little, you know, little Andy to, to coming on the Bellwood shoot by himself, like no parents. Um, Mm-hmm. was pretty was pretty wild um i'm trying to think if there's a moment or anything that stands out uh, i mean him and his dad i think like i told mark this when we were at when we were shooting on the trail of bigfoot in the pnw the first time but watching the way mark has raised him mm-hmm. has given me insight in, into how i want to raise tommy That's because awesome. they're they're so they're so close to each, you know, they're still, they're still so close um, as father and son. That's not really an answer to his question, but it's, it's probably just watching him grow up. That's awesome. Yeah. I actually, uh, I am interviewing Andy in a few days and I am excited to uh, see his uh, take on the whole uh, STM process and like his growing up in a, cryptid type monster household. It'll be cool. I, that'd yeah. be a fun interview. Uh, he also asked, what's the first thing you do to prepare for an STM film? Um, the first thing I do, is that what yeah. it is? The first thing yeah. I do? That's what he says. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's boring. Cause it's just like, I go <laughs> and I, I read like, I read like internet. I, I Google search it and then I read about it. You know, okay. the, the interesting part of that to me comes in when you get into the minutia of like, I mean, not minutia, but it is kind of what, what is this movie going to be visually? That's mm. the, like, for me, that is the fun part because then I get to 
sit around and either watch movies or I, or I watch like making of documentaries about movies I'm interested in. Um, and I'm not ripping them off. I, I, I just kind of look for inspiration in, in right. those places. And it, a lot of the time I get inspiration for the looks of things and weird, like I'm a huge um, last chance you fan, which is like this Netflix docuseries about, a, okay. about, about uh, junior college. Oh yeah. College. yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Football teams. Sure. Um, and I, th- and now that I've, I, a new season, it just came out right before we shot Bellwitch. And I think it snuck its way into a lot of Bellwitch. As weird as that might seem. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That would be fun to watch. I think just visually there's, there's some elements there that I picked up on while I was watching that show. Like maybe subconsciously. Yeah. Cool. Uh, user Bigfoot anonymous says, what's your favorite Ohio monster that you have not covered yet? Big head. Big head. Yeah. Big head or the Charles Mill Lake monster. Okay. So it's one of those two. And fun fact, like, Deep trivia here. This is um, the follow-up to Minerva Monster was supposed to be a movie about Big Head, Old Orange Eyes, and the Charles Mill Lake Monster. It was supposed to be like, we were supposed to do this movie that was kind of going to be an anthology um, with three different STM mini films buried in this one film. And um, we never made it. What I found out was that the the Big Head witnesses... um, are either dead or the boy who was involved in it uh, was in like a car wreck and can't, I mean Ooh. like mentally he's not even there anymore. Oh, so you man. can't interview him about it. Oh. Um, but the big head story is super interesting and it happened in the same summer as the Minerva monster settings and maybe like two hours West of Minerva. Um, Charles Mill Lake is monster is super cool. Cause it's like creature from the black lagoon. Okay. And it took place in the early 1950s. It was this armless, like, amphibian frog frog creature and it was also charles mill lake is where i cannot i'm trying to think of it there was there's this famous ufo encounter that took place with an army helicopter um and people Hmm. always talk about it as taking place over ashland and ashland's nearby but they actually intercepted the helicopter intercepted the ufo over charles mill lake which i always thought was kind of cool okay And And we actually did, I drove to Charles Mill Lake just a few during COVID during like the height of the lockdown. Um, It would have been like maybe late March. We actually drove to Charles Mill Lake just so I could see it. Nice. So there's nothing else to do. Hey, yeah. Lockdown is like that. (laughs) Uh, User outcast at last says, have you ever considered Lake Erie monster, Bessie or Loveland frogman? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we definitely thought about it, but okay. Bessie's, you know, Bessie's another lake monster. And, mm. and um, Adrian, I'll tell you, Adrian really wants to do on the trail of lake monsters, which would be us going would around to, to various lakes and looking at lake monsters. Um, mm. So if we did that, you know, Bessie's a definite possibility. Um, as for Loveland Frog, that story is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but the witnesses are kind of gone. You can't okay. really, you can't really get to them. Gotcha. Also, that's one of those things where I'm not sure how commercially viable that would be for us. Yeah. Just, just realistically. Uh, Mothboy Matt says, 
what are your top three bands that you've been jamming on in 2020 so far? Ooh, 2020. Yeah, There's a new cool. Airborne Airborne Toxic Fun <clears throat> album out. Um, and uh, Airborne's a weird band because I have seen that they're one of the few bands that I've seen multiple times live. Okay. And I, and I don't love any of their music, but I've seen mm. them. Uh, I've seen them multiple times. They were an amazing live band. Absolutely okay. just rad. Like you really can't, their energy is great. Um, their new album, I think it's called Hollywood Park. Um, there's a couple songs on there. One of them, which, which is drilled into Andy's head because I listened to it like a dozen <laughs> times on the UF, uh, on the Bigfoot trip up in the Adirondacks. Um, it's called All These Engagements, I think. Um, yeah, Airborne Talks event. Um, I never stopped listening to Jimmy at World, so there's been a lot of Jimmy nice. World. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh man, I'm trying to think. Tommy keeps <laughs> Tommy's favorite song. My son, oh, uh, my, yeah. my my three year old son's favorite song right now is by uh, Judah and the Lion. Nice. Uh, okay. It's, it's called Suit and Jacket, and it's yeah, essentially oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's essentially about like trying to find yourself before you die, and that's Tommy's favorite song. That's so, awesome, man. I wouldn't say Judah and the Lion though. I would say okay. Yeah, Airborne Toxic Event, Jimmy World. Um, and then it's probably going to be, um, Juliana theory maybe this year. I've been oh, yeah, going sure. back to Juliana theory a lot. Okay. Um, so it's probably those, Oh, the new, you know, like my wife and I, the week before COVID broke out, went to see the get up kids in downtown Canton at this oh, tiny, man. tiny, tiny little club. Um, I mean, where we were standing like 50 feet from the stage and there was like yeah, maybe yeah. 200 people there and it was great. They played like a great show because that new album, that Satellites album they just put out is really good. Yeah, that would be a good time. Uh, he also asked, what, would you dig making a doc on uh, Fae Folk? Yeah. Yeah, because I think, and I think that's actually like a possibility at some point because um, I feel like there's, there's some UFO connections there that I think are really interesting. And my wife has a, has her own fairy story. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, user. Well, Tate Hieronymus asks, what are your thoughts on the bluff Creek film project? Tate's always going back to bluff Creek. Dude, um, he's, his stories are amazing though. Like the guy's connections are wild. Like when I, when I interviewed him a few back, like he was blowing me away. So I know that dude from, sorry, now I'm chewing ice. I met, I met Tate in San Francisco um, at the Bigfoot Bonanza, which was like the coolest Bigfoot conference there ever was. And it only lasted two years. Uh, Um, But uh, I met him at, at, at that event. He's a cool dude. Um, he is. What was his question, though? What do I think of it? <clears throat> yeah. The massacre? No, sorry. It's uh, the Bluff Creek film. Don't, don't bring that up. The Bluff Creek film project. Yeah, I don't know. What do I think of the project or what do I think of the, the, the film? I think he's saying, have you seen the, have you seen his movie on YouTube? Which is actually Oh, I got you. Cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I didn't see it on YouTube. I saw it on the big screen. Oh, so like I okay. saw it. Yeah. I saw, I saw his movie when 
I saw it at Bigfoot Bonanza. He might not even remember that I was there, but, um, I saw it, I saw it there and it was cool. But yeah. Um, and when it comes to, to the PGF, it's fake. Like, sorry, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Kill kill it. Well, you asked the question, Tate, then. So there you go. So thanks for asking. I'm just kidding. The PGF, (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea. No, I, I, have I think questions. they're cool. It's cool. Yeah. I have questions about the PGF is the thing. Like we, we the actual back. film, the actual film. I have questions. Oh boy. I have Seth, questions. Really? You have many questions. I have questions about it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Like you don't, you. Uh, here's the thing about it. Okay. I, All right. If there's, if there's, if the, if the PGF is a hoax, I don't think Gimlin was involved necessarily. I don't, okay. well, I don't think he had to be involved. Um, because I actually think it's much more convincing if you leave people that were there in the dark about it. So they're not lying. They're, they're genuinely convinced of what they saw is real. So the thing that I go back and forth on is there's no way they could have recreated, they could have created that costume with what they had available at that time. I don't see how it's possible, but yeah, I know. You know. It drives you crazy, right? Yeah, I suppose. There's too many, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. if it's a costume, we should have the costume. At we the should same, be able to recreate at it. At the yeah. same time to my eye, what I'm seeing in that video does not appear to be real. Does not appear to be a flesh and blood creature to me. Never uh, has. Even when you watch like the HD and like you can see like the thigh must really, yeah man. Wow. Okay. Well, I I respect your opinion. I, yeah. I'm all I'm all for. I'm I'm totally fine with the people that that think it's real though. Okay. Like, cool. And I'm not saying I don't think it's real. I'm just saying I have questions about it. Is there are there episodes of Sasquatch where you uh, discuss that out or I haven't listened to the whole back catalog of Sasquatch. I think we, I think we spent a lot of time talking about that. Really, um, okay. but it could be wrong. I know Mark and I talk about it almost every time we, wow, we get together. Actually, we had a big discussion about it when we were driving to, uh, to Massachusetts. Oh, Mark man. is is I think Mark was vehemently in defense of the PGF, if I recall correctly. Well, good for Mark. Yeah, <laughs> but hey. It's yeah. It's okay to not agree with someone. We can still have civil discussions and respect sure. people. You know. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Just to, like have your head examined. <laughs> Seth. This, is, this feels oh like this, this feels like Seth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so the last ones are all from the same guy, uh, my buddy Josh. Chase Sewich, he's a he's a cool dude. Uh, so how has film? They get kind of deep, so get ready. How has filmmaking changed your perspective on the value of narrative and personal experience? Whoa! Yeah, um, I can repeat it again if you need me to. Yeah. Okay. How uh, has how has filmmaking, filmmaking changed your perspective on the value of narrative and personal experience? Man, I mean, yeah. the the narrative part of this, I don't quite, I can't even wrap my head around what he's asking with that part. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, I can tell you, 
that there is a point in every shoot where I have to step back and look at what is going on around me and appreciate it. I like that. Like on a, on a really profound level, because like I, you know, it's like I said, I was miserable for years with Mm -hmm. what, what I was doing and to be able to make movies for a living. Yeah. Um, I love it. Just that part of it has given me an appreciation for life that might not have been there before. Um, So that's not answering his question at all, but um, I'm sure it's given me like these greater insights into, into storytelling and, and things like that, but I can't verbalize. I'm terrible anymore. I'm really bad at verbalizing like what's in my head. I, and it, it seems like every year I get dumber, like my, <laughs> like my brain just, I keep losing brain cells. I think he'll dig that answer though. That's a good answer. Uh, what are your top dream collaborators for film project? Um, hmm. hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would love to work with like, uh, geez, I don't know. That's a good question. It is. Yeah. You know, like, I think it would be to have, like, Steven Spielberg produce a movie I made because... That'd be cool. Spielberg did all the ama- those amazing, like, pro- executive produced movies in the 80s. Right. He right. kind of doesn't do that as much anymore. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, collaborative, though. I don't know. That's a good question, but I can't really think of an answer right now. All right. That's Okay. Uh, how have you, how do you view that you've grown as an artist in the last three years? Three years. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. That's a good question too. Uh, I mean, I, I think we, I'm hoping we're growing month to month. Right. Because like we don't, the biggest thing like I said, is not to stagnate. And, and that, that extends to the fact that I never want to be satisfied with where I'm at. Mm. So, so I'm always, I'm always keenly aware of all the mistakes I'm making in every project. So like when people get on Facebook and like tag me and post telling me they, they thought this movie like Momo was insane and sucked or whatever. I, you know, like all the, all the issues you might have with whatever I've made, I've already, you know, I've already seen them. I don't agree mm-hmm. about Momo. I think Momo was like one of the genius strokes of Momo strokes of genius so that good. we've had. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I hope it's month to month and I hope it, you know, um, visually, I hope the, 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 you know, the B roll is getting better. I hope, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. It's funny. Cause like, we'll see. Um, I remember after we finished boggy Creek monster, I, I thought how during, during the making of the movie, I was really into all the camera movement. We were constantly putting the camera on gimbal and, and just like running or, or we run a boat moving through the water or whatever. And I remember watching it later and thinking what a bunch of like unmotivated camera movement it's just Mm. cameras constantly moving for no apparent reason and i know for the longest time we went the opposite direction so we went from boggy where the camera was constantly moving to the mothman point pleasant where it never moved Um, okay every shot was locked down and then we we kind of stayed in that mode for a while 
And I know with the Mothman or the Mothman Legacy, I started getting back into the gimbal and the slider. And now we're to the point where we got rid of the black magics, which was, you know, like what happened is we made, so we made, um, we were pretty much all Sony with the big full frame cameras up through boggy. And then after boggy, we switched to a digital Bolex for, for the Mothman point pleasant, which I think is one of the reasons it, it has its unique look. It's because we shot with this camera that had a super 16 sensor. So it's this tiny sensor. Okay. Um, and then after that, we just kind of stuck in that mode and we, we really were happy with that like black magic kind of look. And um, now we're getting back into the Sony's and, and I think you'll see with bell, Witch, there's a ton of camera movement. Again. Awesome. Um, a lot of like gimbal movement and things like that. And, <laughs> even like the uh the recreations there's a ton of camera movement so it's yeah it's like we we kind of like ref refined the we work on we work one way for a while and then when i get bored with that we move in another direction and it a lot yeah. of times it's going back in the direction we we're in before but finding a new way to make it work so nice. like yeah, Mothman Legacy. I wanted I wanted that camera movement, but I didn't want it to be like unmotivated. I wanted there to be a reason why the camera is moving through the B roll and all that. And then you know, with with the recreations, if you track back to the Mothman Up Point Pleasant, which is the first movie where we really started doing full on recreations, um, and you go from Mothman to Point Pleasant, which was just three years ago up to today with the Mothman legacy, I think you can track that growth on the recreations where in Mothman and Point Pleasant, it was really just about, I shot those, most of the live action recreations for that on my iPhone. And really, yeah. And, Oh wow. And it, so it was more about just getting what the minimum we needed done so we could get on screen what people were talking about. And now we're trying to, you know, I think what we're trying to do is blend like a, a cinematic narrative style with documentary. And mm-hmm. so when it comes to the, to the recreations, it isn't just about visually representing what someone experienced. It's also doing that in a way that an audience can connect with emotionally, you know, like even if they don't realize they're, they're doing you know like Hmm. even if they don't consciously realize it's affecting them um because you can just slap up what someone sees or says they saw on screen that's what tv shows do that's what the travel channel does you know they they hire the 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 cheapest effects artists they can find and they send out a group of of interns with like you know, $200,000 cameras and they, they, they make them shoot something. And then those interns give it over to the cheap effects guy and the cheap effects guy slaps together like a monster with red eyes. And that's like what you see in (laughs) on the trail of monsters or whatever that shit. What was the show that was, it wasn't on the trail of monsters. It was Uh, monster quest or something like that. In search of monsters, the show. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so they do that kind of thing. And, I don't want to do, I don't want to be that. I want to Mm -hmm. have, you know, like I want us to have an identity. I want to have, I want those sequences to have their own 
identity and be able to pull an audience into them. Nice. Yeah. Last question. Uh, Do you have a white whale story that you dream of taking on someday? Uh, Yeah. I mean, this isn't the answer anyone's looking for. It's, I want to make this movie. (laughs) I want to make, I want to make this movie in 1999, which is just about me growing up in 1999. That'd be bomb, dude. And like, that's, that's my, uh, yeah, that's my white whale story. It's just making a movie about growing up in a small town and like sleeping in line for, so I could get tickets for the Phantom Menace. And that's like, that's the movie I want to make. Yeah. Sorry. I was having flashbacks to. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do that too? Um, No, but I remember Uh Mothboy Matt talking about your awesome Star Wars collection, which, so I, I did that. Well, the only movie I stood in line for was uh, Indy four which is Ooh, was a terrible I did that. mistake. I did that too. Oh, I, had a, I had me and my dad bought matching Indiana Jones hats. Oh no. I don't hate dad. that movie. I don't hate that movie. So I was ticked off at the time and I almost walked out when he started swinging through the trees of the monkeys. Yeah, that, got me, that got me mad. But if you watch it now and you watch certain scenes, like it's actually like, it's cool. But, that character kind of sucks. I like Shia a lot, but that scene where he swings through the trees is, is yeah, it's, it's borderline. It's really, yeah. So what makes me mad about Indy four, I'll just talk about this for a minute, but it's that, you know how in the other movies he has the scene where he like, he looks like, Oh, I'm going to die. Like he has that scene. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't do that in Indy four. And that just made it like, not as, I don't know. I I miss that like where he's like oh, I'm gonna die. yeah whatever but but that's that's like a that's a that one thing kind of <clears> encapsulates <throat> what we've lost with Spielberg because oh, yeah. like he used to he used to make movies about characters that were that we could identify with yep and now he makes movies about characters we really can't identify Jeez, with I mean yeah. like most of you know like and when he does do it even in movies I love, it's like disingenuous. Like I mm. loved ready player one. Like I own ready player one. Still haven't seen it. And like yeah. there's, but at the same time, it just doesn't, it feels like, it feels like someone making a Spielberg homage. Like, oh man. That's, that's what it feels like. It's weird. Yikes. It's Spielberg making an homage to himself. Yeah. But I mean, like I miss the Spielberg that made close encounters in the third kind in ET and sure. jaws. You know, like where where he made movies about real people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now he makes movies about he makes movies about real people, but they're people I can't identify with at all. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think it's a valid point. So, main, believe it or not, we have made it through the gauntlet of all the questions and everything. Nice. Um, what so? Right now, what let's say if this is someone's first introduction to you, what are the ways that you like people to? Um, Man, they probably tuned out when I called everyone a moron. Oh, oh no! I mean, uh, there are a few times where probably we both said stuff that we were like, "I'm I'm out here," but what you know, not really. But um, what are ways that you like people to keep up to date with you and um, that they can check you out? Um, yeah, just smalltownmonsters.com is probably okay. the best. Cool. Yeah, smalltownmonsters, social media. Um, 
I mean, my, my Instagram is open right now. I go back and forth with Instagram where I close it down and like make it, make it private. And then I like open it up again. I never know. I never know what to do because like, you know, like my, my Instagram when I'm not making a movie is super boring. It's just like put pictures of my kid. And, um, so right now my, my Insta is open. So you could follow me on there, but I mean, it's mostly going to be, you know, my child and you might find that boring. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I rarely update. Okay. Um, to be honest, when, when the, when the Trump presidency started, it was just kind of like <laughs> Twitter oh, turned boy. into a dumpster fire along oh, no. with, Here we with, go. with pretty much every other social, social media avenue. So like I've had to, I've had to <laughs> bail, bail from most, from most social media. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm on all social media, but I don't, I don't interact much on there anymore. Like Are you I on TikTok. I, no, I had it for so Amy, who's actually in, who's in Mark of the Bow Witch. That's my wife's niece, okay. uh, my wife's cousin. Yeah, um, and she was like attempting to tell me why I need to be on TikTok. And then Aaron, who helps with my SDM movies, he like runs a business where he like buys and no. sells vintage clothing, and he has a, a TikTok. I follow him. I follow him on uh, on tiktok it got it got in my for you page because i'm into like thrifting and stuff too on the side and i was yeah. like wait a minute that's the guy from small town monsters like what in the world he's actually got really good tiktoks like everyone yeah, should check him out he's constantly yeah. tiktoking and he's, he's like telling me. so i was yeah. on there for like two days and then i shut it all down i'm on i'm on facebook and and uh on twitter and instagram if you okay. send me a facebook friend request i'm probably gonna ignore it I just, I, I have like 2000 friend requests right now. Yeah. That's a, man. Yeah. I just can't, can't do a point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the best place is social. Oh, and the other place we have a, uh, an official like small time monsters community Facebook group with like 10,000. It's great. It's it's fantastic too. Yeah. So so you can hop in there. Uh, and I post in there sometimes and I'm one of the admins and I'm the only guy who typically will delete things. Um, so, okay. so if, uh, so I'm in there so you can interact with me on there too. Yeah, no, that's a really good group actually. Um, yeah. So at this point, I'd like to, you know, say thank you to Seth for, for coming on. Thank you. Um, we are going to, uh, shut down the episode, but we're going to stay on for a little bit. Uh, Seth has a few stories to, to share with the uh, Bigfoot Society after dark for the Patreon. Uh, as you know, you can support that for $5 a month to keep the podcast going. So uh, thank you again, Seth, for coming on. And uh, at this time, I'm going to stop the episode and we'll transition. So thanks awesome. for listening, guys. We will uh, see you next week. Again, thanks to Seth Breedlove from Small Town Monsters for coming on the Bigfoot Society podcast. Had a great conversation with him. So much fun. A uh, thing I love about this podcast is we can have differing opinions about things, and still have a great conversation. Um, And I think that is something that this uh, world needs to learn how to do again. So keep that in mind, guys and gals. You can talk to people that you might not necessarily agree with. Um, So, But I love Seth, and um, I think he'll come around on the, uh, the PGF film, you know my buddy uh mark has anything to say about it 
Uh, again, thanks for coming on and thanks for listening all. Um, if you would like to support the Bigfoot Society podcast, uh, which does not keep the lights on itself, you can always head on over to our website, BigfootSocietyPodcast.com. Click on the Patreon. That'll take us take you over to the Patreon page where you can sign up to hear the uh, Bigfoot Society After Dark episodes, which are uh, exclusive to the Patreon uh, subscribers for $5 a month. And there's other uh, cool things that I put up there as well. Uh, I started a thing where I've been... Uh, I'll read a cool article. Uh, read a uh, sightings, uh, top 10 sightings from the BFRO. Made an audio version of that. And uh, put that up on the Patreon. So you never know what's going to go up there next. I might do some more uh, some commentary tracks of a movie I watched. That might be fun. Hey, before we go, I want to spend a few minutes uh, shouting out the uh, members of the Bigfoot Society Patreon. Uh, really appreciate all the uh, the members in there. It seems to grow every week. So let's take a few minutes to shout them out. First, we have Surfetti's. Thank you for being a supporter. We have Josh Shewich from the Starfall Collective. Check them out on their Twitch stream and YouTube. We have Greg Morrill from the Indiana Road Trio. Check him out on uh, YouTube. Great music there. Uh, we also have Coco Van Boxtel from Strange Little Lands. Of course, amazing stuff on Etsy. Uh, follow her on Instagram to see all the cool stuff that she makes. But again, thank you so much to all the supporters, uh, Patreon supporters of the Bigfoot Society podcast. Uh, we literally could not do what we do without your guys' help. And we'll see who's next to join the Patreon. We'll see you on the other side. All right. Thanks for listening, uh, guys and gals. And we will see you next time. We've got some amazing interviews coming up. So literally hold on to your hats. And if you're not wearing a hat, put on a hat so you can hold on to it because it's going to get crazy. So make sure you're subscribed to the Bigfoot Society podcast and we will see you next week. Have a good one.